It's time for the Plank Show with Josh Helmer and Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. Ah, welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is the Plank Show on the ref, on location, in what's become, I don't know, Josh, am I, am I being presumptuous if I say what's, what's become our Friday mid-morning hang at a Riverwind Casino right here off I-35 and Highway 9? Would it be presumptuous to say our new, well, it's not really new anymore, our on-the-reg Fridays, is that how the kids say it today? But hanging out here, uh, and tons of great concert information to share. I, I haven't seen my man Colin yet, but he knows he knows we have conversations to be had about upcoming events here, dude. So, uh, fun Friday, lots to get to. How are you, Josh? I'm doing well, my friend, and happy Friday for you. That is not presumptuous. That is factual. Okay, and, I feel uh, good about it. I, okay, I, listen, I, I'm going to do this live on the air right now. Colin, I am sorry. All right, I'm sorry, Colin. Last week, right, two weeks ago, Colin said, here's my number. Here's my number. If you ever need anything when you get out here, setup-wise, just let me know. And, of course, what did I do, Josh? I went on vacation last week. And when I went on vacation, it's like this really, really nice business card that Colin has. It's just disappeared. It's vamoosed. And so I get out here, and, of course, I was like, oh, no, it's not ready. But it's not his fault. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my fault. My bad, Colin. Forgive me. Um Josh, I didn't get to listen to the draft coverage last night. I had it on. I was doing the college baseball postgame show uh, last night. <laughs> Excuse me. That's not why the voice is rough. But we did a college baseball postgame show last night on Sirius XM College Sports Radio. So I didn't listen. Thanks, buddy. I didn't listen to a lot of it. I, I couldn't hear any of it until, like, the start of the second round. Was it Was it as painful as it seemed in watching it without sound, <laughs> I mean, it just seemed like there were so many awkward moments last. And I don't just mean like in the draft picks or the analysis. And we're going to get to that. I thought the Thunder did well last night. Um, I was surprised to see my Vandy dude drop, or excuse me, my uh, Nova dude drop as much as he did. But I, I, I thought it was a good night, and I love the Keontae Johnson pick, as did apparently all of social media uh, late in the second round. But just coverage-wise and kind of the presentation-wise, thoughts? Yeah, th- there was some awkwardness to it. Uh, but there always is, right? There always is. There always is with the immediate take them off the stage interviews. is uh, <laughs> Not designed to go perfect. But, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was about like an NBA draft coverage. Okay. Okay. Um, what was the – in Josh Helmer's opinion, on a night where I <laughs> – I allowed myself, like I think many other NBA fans, I allowed myself to get really, really, really excited about the possibility of like some major trades going down. Like big, oh, I'm gonna, and, and we did have a fairly major trade go down uh, with Chris Paul landing in Golden State, and of course I, you know, I, I guess I didn't realize how big that Marcus Smart trade was to so many people. Kind of like the uh, Kevin Sperry transfer. And Carl Albert, and I'm like, that's we're going live with this, okay? The um, that 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 theory in the draft last night was one that, you know, I I didn't understand why it was such a big deal, but we we didn't have all these major trades, we didn't have all of these deals, Josh. I felt I felt kind of left out a little bit. 
with all my expectations going into last night. Does that is that that's a me problem, right? Because we've been here before and we know what this what always happens. It's always built up more than we ever think, buddy. It's always built up more than we ever thought it would be. What and would, thus, what would be the last couple of massive trades that happened on NBA draft night? I know, I know, I know. It's like one's not jumping to the front of my mind, right? Oh, there we go. Oh, sweet. We are going to get this taken care of once and for all. I'm giving Kyle my number so he can have it. <laughs> um, it's a good question, Josh. I, I feel like most of them involve, most of them involve like the swapping of picks where we do the whole stupid wear the hat of the team that you're not on anymore. Um, and then we pretend like you didn't just get dealt, <laughs> you know, in that moment to another team. I mean, we saw it last night with the Thunder draft pick uh, wearing a Dallas Mavericks lid. Just weird. Thanks, brother. It's just weird, right? But beyond that, I mean, I just I kind of ex- I, I don't know of any major moves that we've seen, and I think I I don't know. I, I at least expected Zion Williamson to get traded last night. I at least thought that maybe Bill Simmons hadn't steered me wrong once again. I mean, we got. I, the Chris Paul thing was done beforehand. I mean, we had a good old-fashioned Woj v. Shams war at the number two pick, but we didn't have I – I, I felt like we got through a draft last night without, like, the Woj bombs that I thought we would get. Now, there's a good chance that since I've been here for 20 minutes and I haven't looked at my phone or haven't uh, been able to open up the laptop, this is the uh, pre-recorded portion of the program. But, I mean, something major could have gone down. It's like, Plank, they just traded LeBron. But for the most part, I I didn't really feel like we got that moment last night, did we? No, no. And the the OKC original trade for Paul George was not on draft night. Right. So No, no, No. we we didn't get that moment last night. We didn't get that. No, I was just trying to think uh, what would be kind of the the major trades that OKC would have made. But, uh, no, we didn't get that moment last night, and yet uh, (laughs) – Uh, you know, at number two, a surprise that it was, in fact, actually Brandon Miller. Right. I guess. I guess just because I kind of started to buy into the Scoot Henderson stuff throughout the day. Right. I kind of started to buy into the um, – it wasn't just Shams, by the way. I know that everyone was trying to kind of make fun of Shams off the top. But, I mean, he – he wasn't the only guy that was talking about the possibility of Charlotte falling a bit for Scoot Henderson. And to be honest, it had been in all the podcasts I listened to yesterday. I listened to Zach Lowe. I listened to uh, both of the Bill Simmons and the ringer previews of the NPR NBA draft last night. They weren't uh, – Shams wasn't the only one that had started to theorize, Josh, and maybe there was a chance at number two that you could see Scoot Henderson go. Um, so I was a little bit surprised whenever they panned. That was a surprise to me when they panned to Brandon Miller at two, and he was there on the phone, and it's like, oh, well, I, I guess he is going to, especially after his terrible Paul George take yesterday, right? But Indeed. I, 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 again, just not one of those major blockbuster jaw-dropping moments. And, he, and just another quick aside to this, I hate being that guy because I'm usually someone that says, as a sports fan, fine, turn it off. There's a baseball game on somewhere. There was college baseball. I'm not sitting here and forcing you to be entertained by this. Guess what? If you're on your phone, they're about six picks ahead, and if something crazy happens, you can flip over and you'll have plenty of time to catch the analysis of it. But, I mean, that would be my – but for some reason, I'm walking away and I sound like Arnie Spanier. 
Josh, that, that was just terrible. There wasn't anything exciting or redeeming about that. And the only thing that could have saved it is if you had told me, oh, yeah, but, dude, if, if you had that sound on while you were watching it or if you were watching start to finish, there was this X, Y, and Z moment or this shocking moment, and we just didn't really have any of that last night with this draft. And I hate being that guy. Well, and it's tough because after you get through one, two, and three, we, we just don't know if any of these guys are, mm-hmm. are superstars. We, we don't have that, that feel about it. And yet we, we pretty well know that a couple of them will be, right, just based on history. Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. All right, it is – I finally feel like we're set up now. I feel like we're good to go. Are you ready to roll on a Friday? I've got two things for you. One of the great traits and maybe enraging traits about this show is our, our lack of follow-up on teases. Would you say that that is a, a fair complaint from the Ref Army when it comes to the show? At times I don't even know if it's a complaint so much as just a, an observation. But, yeah, something. it's it's definitely yeah. Uh, yeah. something with this show. <laughs> or. or I, I, I like yeah, that one time you teased that coming back you're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, and I thought about changing the channel, but then I remembered you never talk about what you tease, and I was like, you know, that's actually pretty fair. This is a pretty fair assessment. But, Josh, there was a tease from yesterday that I don't think we really paid off either, and it was kind of the final – it's the best way to put this – not chapter, but at least for this moment uh, – sentence exclamation point stanza however you want to phrase it in kind of the drama that Nick Saban I want to say tried to start but nobody really got too carried away with it this week I thought it didn't resonate throughout the week like I thought it would with his whole comments in the Joel Klatt podcast but I thought what Ryan Fowler had to say about it on uh what was that Tuesday show Wednesday show was real interesting and I'm, and I meant to get to it as a follow-up yesterday but that's one that's one tease that we're definitely paying off Josh coming up at the bottom of this hour. In fact, I even have it written down right here in front of me. 9.35, Ryan Fowler slash Nick Saban. It's written down, Josh, which means we can't forget it and we're going to do it. Deal? Deal. That, that definitely helps if it's written out. The other non-follow-up, now this was partially my fault too because on, let me, I'm trying to put the shows together throughout the week. I believe it was on. I believe it was Tuesday, Phil. On Tuesday's show, I came in, and I was a little bit hot because I just read a glowing article on Quinn Ewers and the quarterback that he was going to be in 2023. And again, I, I understand this. Sooner fans, we've had to. Well, I, I say we. Some of you are better blocking it out than I am, but Sooner fans have had to deal with this. Is anything you bring up about Texas is immediately countered with 49-0. And you know you're not dealing with sane-thinking humans because they've been telling you they're back for the better part of the last 15 years, and they're not. So with all that said, I was just hot. I'm like, where, where is this coming from? It's every year. So I put together a list of the top five things that I was tired about already in the college football offseason and its storylines. I think we got through story number four because number three, Josh, was something that happened last night that – I think is my number three storyline that I'm already tired of in college football, and I think I want to talk about it right here so we don't forget about it on the show today. For a show that has a history of failing to pay off teases, what if instead of just teasing this, we get to it right now? Well, you can at least lay the groundwork and 
then oh, we can jump back into it. All right, let's do it. Here's I, number three. Number five, let's just reset here real quick. Number five, college football offseason storylines I'm already tired of, or I guess this would be one, Texas, and maybe more specifically the greatness of Quinn Ewers. Number two was conference realignment. And just some of the people that you believe during this, it just, mine is blown, man. Mine is absolutely blown. But I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Just just let's go play ball. And then number three is is something that I think is a little bit more nuanced to John, uh, Josh, and maybe this happens every year in the draft last night, reminded me of it. Just the, the comp season where – Every single new quarterback has to have this trade about a guy before him or not, or the greatest ever. I mean, it's never, what does he remind you of? Ah, you know, he's got a little Jay Barker in him. I think he's spent it pretty good. It's always, dude, he's like Tom Brady if Tom Brady was developed in a lab. You know. So, Josh, I think number three in college football offseason storylines in things that I'm tired of is comps. Because a little flat, and we're listen. I I know, I know. I'm guilty of this, Josh. I'm sure you fair to say you would say that you're guilty of this too, right? Sometimes with the off season comps and getting carried away with them. Well, definitely for incoming recruits or or prospects. I mean, exactly. Incoming and, and transfer portal guys have kind of earned a little bit of that too. Transfer portal, especially transfer portal guys from smaller places. Or are undercovered places suddenly start. It's like, man, did you see the kid out of ITT Technical? <sighs> Looks incredible. So it reminds me, like, you remember Russell Maryland played for Miami? <laughs> You'll see a running back. It's like, dude, that guy is that guy is cutting on a dime right now. He's impressive. You ever heard of a guy named uh, uh, Rodney Hampton? You ever heard no Sean Moreno? It's just I. I'm guilty of it, Josh, but and we we can go a little bit more in depth because I got a few things that really caught my eye and just caused my head to explode. But the Clemson quarterback is always going to have a little what? In. He's got a little Trevor Lawrence in him. The Oklahoma quarterback, if they have that right attitude, always has a little bit of what? Got a little Baker in him. I don't know if uh, if he's got a little Bennett in him is ever going to be something that happens for Georgia. But when you you know, you reach this time of the year where everyone's hungry for content. I'm, I agree, but I'm just I can't do comps anymore, Josh. It's driving me crazy. So, let's dive into some of my favorites that finally set me off to this point. <laughs> Let me throw out a few that will do to you what it's done to me. As always, we want to hear from you. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line four zero five six five one three four three nine. Uh, Riverwind Casino jackpot line. If you want to pick up the phone and call, well, why don't you just tell us what sports you want to talk about? 405-329-9000. And, as always, on Twitter, at Plank Show, at Josh on Ref, and everybody should be following us at KREF Sports. Comp season in full swing. We'll talk about it next on The Ref. I realize something, Josh. It's a hard, hard admission. And it's it's become the most triggering thing for me this off season and i've got to do a show today um on the national level with college football and i'm trying to make sure i control myself but man this this is just 
concerning slash shocking to me the amount of preseason buzz I deal with or I see on Quinn Ewers. I mean, I I, I followed Jared, uh, I believe it's Tokar's last night. And it's interesting to see the different kind of, what's the best term, the conversations around Quinn Ewers. Right, and what needs to be improved, what needs to be better. In fact, I'll, I'll just read this. He has the most approved this season of the NFL, I guess you could say, candidates. Though I just I don't see that in Quinn Ewers. And as you told me last week, Josh, on the Friday before the OU Texas game, don't get too carried away with <laughs> don't get too carried away with anything this year because we don't know if Dylan Gabriel's going to go. I don't know if I'd be saying too much. You ended up being right, and I'd wear it, but. I don't know, man. I'm. I start seeing these comps that have Quinn Ewers in this same conversation with not just the Caleb Williams of this draft and the Drake Mays, but in in comping him out to be something more than what I think he is. You know, he's got a chance to be one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft, and he's got it. He's got Josh. I heard Josh Allen a lot. I think that was the one that when I was reading my draft nerds last night that got me a bit. Is this? I I'd hate to mute Quinn Ewers on my Twitter timeline, but is this going to end up coming back to bite me? I mean, because I'm just—it's mind blowing, mind blowing—the amount of hype that has started to build up behind this guy. When we had him benched this time last year because Arch Manning had committed to the University of Texas. Which one is it? And I don't, I don't even know if he's the best, most athletic quarterback they have on that roster. But anyway, I, is, it, is this a me thing that I need to work on overcoming because he's going to be good? I, I'd like to see a consistent Quinn Ewers. This, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to see it, but if he's going to be in the mix <laughs> for the, the places that he's at on a lot of these mock drafts, to me, I, I wouldn't feel great that he is one of the top quarterbacks nationally just yet. The, the, you know, just the raw ability, okay, sure, the, the arm strength on and on and on, but uh, I need to see consistently good performances from Quinn Ewers. I need to see more of what he did versus Oklahoma on a week-to-week basis. Mm. So what you're saying here, Josh Helmer, is I can look at this and say this isn't necessarily a me problem. This is – this is one of those that maybe just maybe like we've been in the past, we could be a little bit off in our evaluation because again, I go back. I mean, after the way that he performed in 2022 inconsistently, I was like, ah, I think Arch Manning's going there to be the starting quarterback. Now it's a very small percentage, but still I just, it's wild to see how a, a pretty good season pretty good not not great not outstanding not elite not award-winning a pretty good season and all of a sudden we've we've had this guy taking one of the most massive steps that we've seen in a long time i just i can't can't buy it josh can't do it i won winners all right now listen i promise at the bottom of the hour we're going to get to the ryan fowler take on on dick saban's comments and we're going to reset both of them uh here on the plank show which is live from riverwind casino but I, I did want to hit, and I see the text line is blowing up, 405 I Real quick, I like this for the 918. 
Quinn Ewers will be better. Logically, he's a year older. Of course he will improve. He is not the second coming. He will get drafted low, but drafted. Right, because we overdraft quarterbacks. I still don't think he has the most to prove of the NFL draft quarterbacks. I still think that's Spencer Rattler. And I still don't know if Spencer Rattler is a guy where I believe that he's going to be a better pro than he is a college player. Josh, I may need some refining on that take. But before, before we get to that and before we dive all in, were you in at all in the baseball last night? Did you find yourself watching that incredible game between LSU and Wake Forest, or were you on the draft last night? I was, I was kind of bouncing around back and forth. I would say uh, I was probably more interested in college baseball, but uh, work responsibilities meant uh, I needed to be locked into what was going on with the NBA draft. But That's true. What Fair a enough. finish. Uh, dramatic. Incredible. I watched the whole game. I watched the whole game, um, and I had the uh, uh, I had the draft like on the phone and on a a, a a computer where I was just kind of following along. It was, you know, sometimes you watch a one zip, two zip game. You watch a pitcher's duel, and you walk away and you shake your head and you're like, "That sucked." <laughs> what What was that? Right? It wasn't. It was a well pitched game, obviously, but. There was some mistakes made by both teams where you looked up and opportunities were blown. And, you know, there's low-scoring games like that. Dude, this was a one nothing game where it was just because these two pitchers were dominant, dominant. And, like, two major defensive plays that had to be made to save the game pretty much were. I, I got to tell you something, man. It's one of the best baseball games I've watched that was that low. And I don't know. I, I retweeted this from Jeff Schwartz last night. I'd be curious to see if you agree. But I'd much rather have a be watching a, a scoreless game like that than an 11-10 game. Now, this helps This helps that it was, you know, loser leaves town, winner takes all, moves on for a championship series. But, I, I mean, we were set to go on the air last night in the postgame, and we always prepare to go on – at about 9.30. My phone rang, and I'm watching it, so I'm kind of starting to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to have to get to the studio. But just literally an hour into the game, they were already in like the sixth inning. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it wasn't because it wasn't because either team was terrible at the plate. It's because all the pitchers, including the Stars, uh, you know, Paul Skeers and, and Rhett Loader, they were just dealing last night it's one of the most amazing pitching performances i think i've ever seen wild it was uh the definition of a pitcher's duel and one one mistake you hang a slider one mistake man good night one mistake Uh, i've got all this audio that we'll play coming up a little bit later on in the show we'll hear uh you'll hear from paul skiers mr excitement as i like to call him holy smokes man get that guy a cup of coffee Hey, uh, how'd it feel to be out there in that moment? Probably a lot more fun watching than it was to play in it. It's just one of the greatest college baseball games ever. You got Mr. Cool that doesn't even care. I love it, though. That's what you want in one of your star pitchers. So I'm I'm all in on that, Josh. I'll try to do my best to share some of the craziness post-game, including one of the coolest shows of sportsmanship I've ever seen because Tommy... Uh, Tommy Hill, and, or Tommy White, excuse me, and the Wake Forest closer and the Wake Forest catcher, they all played high school ball like in the same circles. They're all from the Tampa area. 
And to see the way that after the game he went out there and they were embracing, it's like, whoa, that's – I mean, the dude just hit the, the home run of his life, the moment of his life. And what's he doing at, What's he doing after he hits it? He's walking out to the mound and he's hugging one of his one of his buddies that he grew up around playing with. I mean, that's just corny a little bit, I think, for some people, that that would be my takeaway. But I don't care, man. I don't think we have enough of those stories in sports, and I thought that was pretty awesome last night. Did you happen to catch that? There's a great picture of it that's rolling around Twitter, too. No, but, uh, yeah, that, that is that is really cool. First pitch. First pitch. Unhittable closer out of the pin, and on the first pitch, dude launches it to freaking Lincoln. Is that the right direction? Fun game, I said. I'll, I'll have more postgame coming up here a little bit later on, including in the top five stories of the day. All right, we did have a little bit of college football, I don't want to say drama, but fun this week, right? Nick Saban brought up his thoughts on what the 12 team, or at least what needs to be fixed in college football and how we determine our champion. And we had Ryan Fowler on, and he kind of gave us some of his perspective on what he feels like Nick Saban means in all of this and what the ultimate end game is. And we'll dive into it next as the Plank Show is live from Riverwind Casino right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the Rev. Whoa, we good? Is that me? I've got a weird connection out here, dude. I'm sorry. During the next commercial break when I'm not chasing down a soundbite, I'll go do what I can to, to fix it. Because I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to point to the sky, and I'm going to say, listen here, Wi-Fi. Here, you're bad for me, but I need you to work for the next two hours. And how much time we got left? 20 minutes in the show? How do you think that approach would go outside of maybe just getting a new piece of equipment to use? Yell at the sky and shake my fist like an old man. It can't hurt. And, oh, by the way, that was not on your <laughs> end at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know uh, what happened. I, there, um, there couldn't be a more perfect song more uh, like mm-hmm. eerie spooky song to like stutter and buffer than uh right. magic dragons radioactive it's just like perfectly made for that so this week we, we try to go a little bit more in depth um on the sec well maybe let me back up just a little bit here i do this. I, I get over my skis i think as someone once said on a message board the mouth works faster than the mind does uh i'm working on that for 30 years we'll see how it goes but nick saban made these comments on the podcast the joel clapp podcast and it kind of resonated through the sports world now to be honest with you in fairness josh i i don't know if it became as big of a deal as i thought it would and i think part of that is because those of those of us when we kind of first heard it thought is he talking about a vegas some sort of spreads component to this, I kind of feel like uh, I felt like that was shot down ra- rather quickly, at least in kind of the the public fallout from this, or at least the, the the reaction to it. I mean, as big of a deal as we made it for a couple days on our show, I don't really know if it ended up taking off as much as I thought it would in the Twitter verse or in the college football off season verse. It's almost like everyone said, "Hey, no content for a couple of weeks." Uh, on three, we got a big announcement July first. Athletic, we got a big announcement July first. Uh, we'll we'll wait and we'll 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 talk about this whenever we have our like. No one's really dying for anything because recruiting's so hot right now, content wise. So Nick Saban's Nick Saban's spiel on how we should 
fixed college football, or at least when it comes to choosing the teams for the playoffs. I don't know, Josh, it, it didn't really take off like I thought it might this week. Early, early on, it did. Early on, there was uh, quite a bit of reaction to it, but yeah, it's it's tapered off since. Yeah, no. Boy, it was pretty hot there for a couple of. Uh, Twitter was fun. A couple of hours after that, I was like, "Ooh, let's let's see what y'all think." Anyway, if you wonder what I'm talking about and you missed it this week, Nick Saban was on Joe Klatt's podcast and they had a conversation about, "Hey, how how can we go about you know making sure we're getting things right in college football moving forward?" Here's what Coach Saban said: Even in the SEC, when you add Texas and Oklahoma, there's going to be more parity because there's probably going to be six, seven teams ranked in the top 20 sure. that are going to be playing each other. So, uh, But the problem with the way the whole system is, there's no account accounting for that. Right. So all we do is take the teams that win the most games at the end of the year and put them at the in the playoffs. But do you really get the best teams? You know, when, when, they, when they told me that we would be favored against three out of the four teams that got in the playoffs, I'm like, well, why aren't we in the playoffs? All right. All right. At his core, Josh. I mean, I'm trying to translate here. I'm tired of seeing teams that don't play as tough of a schedule as we do or are playing as tough of a conference as we do get an opportunity. And I don't know if you know, I, I want to believe that Nick Saban's looking out for the good of college football. We all know that he's looking out for the good of Alabama, which is fine. But I don't know is. Is this as much trumpeting for the SEC as it as it is, you know, just trumpeting for consistently making sure Alabama's in that conversation? And if and even when one of their rivals pulls it off, Georgia, back-to-back LSU, Auburn, just know uh, one thing and know one thing for sure, that they're probably going to be considered just as good as you are when you play them. I don't know. There's a lot of different things that go through my mind when I hear it. It's like, hey, great, congratulations, Georgia, back-to-back titles, but you don't have to play us. You have to deal with us. And that's the that's the litmus test, and you you didn't do this year. I, I don't know. I just – I've thought a lot about this, but, you know, when we had Ryan Fowler on, he just seemed to think, hey, th- this is nothing new, and this was what Alabama fans have been hearing from Nick Saban for a long time now. And maybe it's us too, Josh, in a couple of years when Oklahoma gets to the SEC. If Alabama loses one game, is a conference champion, stubs its toe once, and mm-hmm. TCU's an unbeaten Big 12 champion, the SEC's getting in. SEC's getting in. They're, they're, not, oh, getting, yeah. they're not getting barred by an un, uh, unbeaten champ from the, the Big 12 or the Pac-12, I don't think, unless there's that out-of-conference game that's, that's really, really – impressive say you know Oregon beats Ohio State type scenario in the last couple of years you name it that being said to Nick Saban's point yeah you have to account for the the difficulty of the schedule but probably you're just not going to get that grace when you lose twice you lose once I do think the committee's going to to look at it and say okay well Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee or whoever this SEC schedule is more difficult than what TCU faced but uh when you get down to and in last year right he would have the argument that well you know TCU wasn't unbeaten they lost in the Big 12 championship game they weren't uh, weren't the Big 12 champion mm-hmm. 
two loss Alabama was better than one loss TCU, right? Dude, I um, I fall into these. It's the best way to put it, like nerdy holes every now and then, where I'll start. I'll really start thinking about what the debates are going to look like when we get to the 2024 offseason. And as much as you might have a certain faction of the lower rung of the SEC, it's like, oh, nobody really cares about OU and Texas. You bet in that room when they're debating if the eye test is really a thing, when they're debating, you know, that's going to give more juice to the SEC than it gives the Big 12 where they're leaving. It's just the reality of it. And I am, Josh, I am so, with Nick Saban bringing that up, and, and it's, again, like I said, he said it out loud and said it to a national audience. But, like, Ryan Faye's like, that's nothing new. He's like, that's, that's something Nick Saban's been talking about for years, and he'll go back to other championships. He's like, that, and then in, what, 2015 or whatever. It's just, it's wild to think of, of their consistency but also in that, Josh, does it make you rethink the whole way that we should look at the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 teams that get in as at-larges whenever we do expand to 12 than how we look at it right now? I mean, is this going to require a completely separate set of lenses? And then in that, does it also put more oomph on what you're doing, even if it is just eight games in conference or if it's nine of the Big Ten? You just kind of feel like those two conferences are going to continue to dominate when it comes to those at-large seeds, right? They should. They should. They're playing the, the toughest schedules. So the teams that perform the, the best against those schedules, even if that's – and it will be in uh, many of these at-large instances, two, three losses, yeah, they, they, they're playing the most difficult schedule. They're going to have the best wins. They're going to have some of the best losses. And to me – this is why we want the 12-team format, because it eliminates this from Nick Saban. If we're having complaints on 13, 14, 15, 16, I'm sorry, probably you stubbed your toe too many times for us to really feel like you merited inclusion. And it gives us the best of both worlds, right? You got all of these power conference champions that will get in. You'll get one group of five champion that will get in, and then – the other mm-hmm. six at-large bids are probably going to be and probably should be mostly SEC and Big Ten schools. The occasional, okay, well, there's one one other really good Pac-12 team or Big 12 team or ACC team. But generally speaking, the, the, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to swallow those up, and they should. And in this case, Nick Saban, hey, you're off the hook. You're still getting in. I, I There's a good text on this, and, and I actually kind of uh, – I kind of agree with it, and and I think it's a fair point. This is from the the nine one eight, and and I want to make this clear. If I said I made it seem like he was complaining, yeah, I mean Nick Saban complains all the time, but he's not like sitting here boo hooing about it. Here's what the nine one eight writes: You guys act like he's crying about Bama being left out. All he's wanting is the committee motto to align with their actions. He's pointing out the hypocrisy around best versus deserving. Oh, I mean, I. I find it hilarious that this was, like, new to me. And Fowler's like, oh, dude, this has been nonstop. This has been Nick Saban's thing. This is what he's been doing. But I also, then how do you counter that? If you're, like, best versus most deserving, if strength of schedule can find ways where it evens out, 
I just I, I don't know how you determine that when you have a team that lost two games, and even though both of them were on the road, you're like, well, they'd be favoring that next game. Well, they were favored in both of the games that they lost. So I just I that's been my battle in this, right? And and then the the Vegas component comes into it because you mentioned we would have been favored if someone's like, ah, is he looking at it to try to get a different kind of component in this for who's favored and who isn't? But yeah, I I completely understand what he's doing. I just I kind of feel like they've been a a massive benefactor of that in the past, and every now and then you're not going to get that call. Not when you. Lose I also twice. think Josh that he felt like. Not when you lose sight. I, I also think part of this, too, and you, you can tell me if you agree or disagree with me uh, to that previous set. we got to get that dude a name. Uh, might be Plank Hater. But I, I kind of feel like part of this is because Nick Saban thinks he had a team that could have won a national championship. I think it's part of it. Maybe the majority of it. And the situation against Tennessee, you know, they realize they made <laughs> – what, what did Ryan Fowler say? Call it the uh, the Pete Golding Award because the defense took victory from the or a snatch victory or jaw uh, defeat from the jaws of victory with their defense. But I, I wonder too if if that's part of it as well. Hey, we got left out this year. Georgia won its second national championship, but by God, Bryce Young would have been able to do that defense what C.J. Stroud did. I don't know. I just I wonder if that's not part of this too. All right, you want to get a break? There's some good text messages on this. Some good text. 405 yeah. And we can open it up, too, Josh, on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, uh, <laughs> the play-by-play calls of the walk-off last night were fantastic, including Westwood 1, one of the better ones I've heard. We'll get to that. Plus, uh, <laughs> oh, there's all kinds of NFL stuff going on right now. I owe you some NBA draft reaction. We'll learn about the newest Thunder players. It's all coming up on a busy Friday edition of the Plank Show. By the way, I want to give a big thank you, two thank yous on the show. No, thank you, Mr. Sports. We will be in touch. He reached out on Twitter.com to help me out whenever it came to my little rooster problem that I'm having right now. Should have seen me yesterday, Josh. You were impressed. I was a true outdoorsman. Had drill in hand, kind of shoring up the protection around the old chicken coop few open areas that i'm concerned about like when you look out there and your cat is in the middle of the chicken coop you might want to start fortifying some of the areas around the chicken coop knew what i was had a little had a little uh, fencing i have now added uh, to my resume just in case this sports thing doesn't work out uh, so let's see there's amateur plumber there's amateur roofer there is definitely definitely amateur uh custodian because i can clean it's just it doesn't stay that way very long maybe above average landscaper i need to talk to kendall i gotta find out when the next time i need to lay my sod down is gonna be and now josh you can add to it i don't even know maybe professional chicken coop reinforcer look out life is good are you excited to get old and have things like a chicken coop at your house it's awesome can't wait can't wait. My uh, my girlfriend actually the, does want a chicken coop, so that probably will no, be, unfortunately, in my future. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, here's a couple. I like this. This dude. Uh, this dude from the nine one eight. I'm loving it. You got to give. You got to tell us what your name is because these are three excellent points. We have found ourselves on a Friday. I told Josh this during the break. I find myself a lot of times 
maybe obsessing over certain topics. I obsessed over the draft last night leading up to it and listened to three podcasts. Last night after it was over, that's the college baseball game, I was obsessing over the Nick Saban comments, not in a bad way, not in a good way, but just I think a lot about how the six teams will be chosen in the upcoming 12-team playoff and if that's going to be different than the computer formula that our buddy Dave Bartu has cracked. If I think I'm maybe I'm being a little bit dramatic. I I got to reach out and get Dave on. I should say he cracked the code, but they feel like that there is no eye test that it's these are the simple numbers and this is how they determine it and this is how it's always going to be. But I like this from the 918. Look at it this way. Oh, you benefited twice from deserving in 18 and 19. How many times has has Bama benefited from best? 17 is the only team I can think of. Every other year they were best and deserving. Bro, don't ugh. Pop, what did I just tell you I can't talk about right now? I can't talk about 18, man. Don't do that. Don't, don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. I'm The Georgia people, it's like you've won back-to-back titles. Calm down. Don't lose two games in the regular season. Oklahoma avenged its loss. And, yeah, I know the, the outcome of the Orange Bowl and that final score kind of hurts it a little bit. But the Sooners had a major injury that happened before that game. And if you don't think I'm going to use Hollywood Brown's injury as a reason that game got away from Oklahoma for the next 30 years, you are sadly mistaken yourself, friends. But that's that's a fair point, right? OU has benefited from it before. Alabama may be going back to, let's see, 17. 17, they were 13-0, and so they were deserving that year. You know, won the title. They've won the title is everything, I think, but a Oh, yeah, they won it as a one in 2022. I, I guess I don't – I don't know, Josh. I find, my, I find myself in these situations that I'm just – I'm always wondering the motivation. We'll, we'll go more in depth next. It's a wrap.